trucker's friend for Jackson's YouTube. I'm trying to recreate Big the Papa exact. got a job. <laughs> I'm trying to recreate Big the Papa exact. got a job. Who's Big Papa? <laughs> Big Papa is is the cab over Pete. All right. So gonna this is gonna this might come off weird because <laughs> we just spoke for the last 15 minutes and I realized that it wasn't recording. So we're gonna try and go over a little bit because it's important. Opening shot of this video is this Peterbilt. Cab over Peterbilt. Yeah. And I was saying, I think this truck is the truck that kind of launched all your social media presence. And I'm going to declare again right now with the same amount of vigor as I did when we recorded this previously. I'm making, I'm breaking news. I'm making a declaration. Don't ever ask again. Don't ever message me about it. Don't send me an email. Don't ask because it ain't happening. I'll never sell the cab over Pete. Big Papa is staying on the wild, wild west forever <laughs> there we go because i was previous to this i was actually i was ready to sell it i had a kid really hot to trot on it and he said man i shouldn't i had a, he had a cab over similar at kenworth and he goes he sold it and he goes it was the biggest mistake i ever made the only other cab over i ever want is your 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 peterbilt who i used to call the pete now we call big papa and i was gonna sell it to him just because i i'm not i have enough trucks i just don't use them all the time but as you mentioned this, that this truck is kind of the foundation. It's kind of my identity on the social waves, be it YouTube or otherwise. I'm not selling it. It's not. It's here to stay forever. So you you had an Instagram following of not, not small, it was, it was decent, not big, you know? but, you know, and, and lots of pictures of this Peterbilt yeah. cab over. And one day, one day you open up your Instagram and your Instagram was blown up. All these messages from people saying, Hey, diesel brothers, this diesel brothers, diesel. But I'm like, I, who, what are you talking? I don't even, I don't know who they are. No one would, they would just say the diesel brothers posted you on their Instagram. So not knowing who they are, I type in, you know, diesel brothers and heavy D's account comes up and I'd see that heavy D of the diesel brothers of discovery channel had passed me apparently out on the road and had taken a rolling shot of me. And so I thought back and I was like, you know what? I do remember seeing this guy as I was north of Des Moines who looked kind of just strangely slightly familiar, but I couldn't like, this seems like, anyway, he's filming me and I think I gave him a big thumbs up or something. They were like, yeah, and went on their way. You know, don't think anything of it. A lot of old, you know, a lot of, a lot of people filming old cab overs when they see him going down the road. And anyway realize oh the diesel brothers are actually they're kind of a big deal and this was some years ago when they were in their heyday of the discovery channel and, and whatnot and so we started a, basically becoming friends heavy d and i and and that just sort of continued on we'd message back and forth a little if he saw some some cool trucks he'd send pictures or you know vice versa and one day he's like hey i need you to come down would you ever do this bring your cab over peterbilt down to uh, utah to, to come on an adventure for our youtube channel and of course, I was like, hey, that sounds cool. That'd be fun. And I wasn't doing it to try to grow my channel. or I didn't even have a channel. I mean, I was just like, this would be a fun adventure. I mean, these guys are on, you know, and of course, it's like they're on TV. They're fam these famous guys. Of course, it'd be fun to go do this, right? So I took my cab over Pete down. We hooked it onto a, a low boy and we went down to St. George, Utah and recovered these two excavators that hadn't been started in 20 years. I'd just been sitting in a rock mine 
And so the, the YouTube episodes were about getting these excavators going. Um, so we had a lot of fun. His subscribership to YouTube, uh, which was pretty small at the time, they've grown now to like three plus million. But at the time they were, they were well under a million. All his people were like, you gotta, you gotta have this guy on more. We like this guy on your channel. So he, he continued to have me down. And we, we went on from that to, to Cerro Gordo, to Brent Underwood's, you know, old abandoned mining town there in California. And we kind of have these annual adventures anymore where we seem to be taking the cab over Pete and, you know, in the past going and doing it. And Heavy D was the one actually that told me very seriously, you need to start a channel. I'll make sure that we get it bumped up and going and started and kind of get the ball rolling. And, and you know, true to his word, he did. He, he kind of helped, you know, he'd mention me on the channel and say, you need to go follow Jackson's, you know, stuff. And, and so we started making videos every week and we kept rolling. So, and that, that cab over Pete, big papa was really the draw. Cause everyone was like, oh yeah, this cab over, this cab over. And everybody wants to see it on the road again. But I mentioned in this episode, why? I'm not on the road with the cab over Pete. And that is diesel is just too much. It's just too expensive. And by the way, just so you know, diesel's going to $5. I guarantee it. It's coming back. I've been seeing it. It's just climbing again. And then they announced no more new drilling permits or something like that, which causes the speculation, blah, blah. So it's looking like for a while, the cab over Pete is kind of just going to be a kind of a side piece thing that I show here and there every once in a while. You know, maybe make a trip or two just, just to get it just out and keep it alive. And a character in the movies. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, all right. So you, uh, at the beginning of this, you, you say cow, the neighbor called and said cows are out in your oat field. Oh, so rooster's been gone. Rooster and woo, mom and dad have been gone visiting a uh, little brother. Right. And so while they're gone, I'm, you know, showing that I'm a capable adult taking care of business. You know, I can take care of my own business plus keep the ranch afloat. And part of that included the oats are going to be ready to harvest. My schedule's really getting crazy moving forward from today to where we're getting into the cattle hauling season. And I'm worried that I'm not going to be around to harvest, right? So we're going to take care of harvest while they're gone. So I, you know, talked to the neighbors who were going to be nice enough to bring their combine over and, you know, com combine for us. So you weren't going to take care of the harvest by just turning the cows out into it. No, no. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> that was not the plan. That's kind of how it started. So I, this was the funny part of this was I called the neighbors and we, we chatted late at night. Old Dennis, our, our neighbor who ranches next to us was at the golf course, admittedly said, I'm at the golf course. And might have probably been loosening up a little bit, maybe partaking of some libations. And I talked to him at nine o'clock the night before. And he's like, yeah, Friday, Friday, this is the day. I'm like, all right. So I get a call Thursday morning. As I'm going about my day, I went in to get a load of gravel and I'm at the gravel pit, you know, half an hour from home. And I get a call saying, hey, we're out here. We've got the combine out in the field and there's cows everywhere. They're in your haystack. They're out in the oats. And I'm like, First, I'm like, wait, you you were driving by and you saw him out or what? He's like, no, I'm out here in the field because we're combining. And I'm like, wait, I never mind. It doesn't matter. You're there. Okay. It doesn't matter what you said or what the communication was. You're out there. I got to get home. So I come cruising back. And, and while I'm trying to get home, I'm getting calls from, you know, our sister Kenzie. And she's like, and of course, Dennis made the huge mistake of calling dad first. 
hey, Russ, your cows are everywhere and all over the country. And what, you know, and so dad calls me, what's going on? I'm like, I'm at the gravel pit. I'll hustle home. It's one of those things where everyone just is going to have to sit there and just let it be for 30 more minutes. I get home. You know, and and Kenzie, bless her heart, is like, I can go out. And I'm like, this is great. I, I don't even know. I don't even know what's where. There's cattle all over. We got to make a plan, figure out how they get out to start with. And uh, so anyway, it's just like, here's your day. <laughs> just this explosion of craziness. And the video never, you can't really capture, you know, you so pushing cows around, but you don't quite realize the disastrous when cows are basically everywhere they shouldn't be all at once in every little spot they're not supposed to be. It's not like, oh, they're all in one little spot. Get them out. It's like, there's cattle. In this oat field, there's cattle in that oat field. There's cattle in this haystack. There's cattle headed for the other haystack. And, and the neighbors are trying to combine, so please get a truck out here because we're about ready to dump our first load of oats out of the combine. And you don't want to go burning through your fields chasing cattle in your oats that are ready they're, to be harvested. Right. All summer you're waiting, you know, and they're ready. So an old way that people used to harvest grains was to cut the stalks off and then just shake them. <laughs> So, so the so anytime they shake, the barley comes out. So when you got your cow herd running through your oat field, and then you're usually you 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 know when you're chasing a lot of cattle, you're on a four wheeler side by side, a vehicle or something. But yet you don't want to go burn. So right, this 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 just ups the stress of having the cattle out because mm-hmm. this this is a you're kind of at the really unforgiving stage. Yeah, yeah, so you're I and 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 it, I asked Dennis. I said, "How was this this edge of this the main edge where the most of them got in?" He's like, "Yeah, the yields were really just not there because they run through and it shakes." And oh. so you're like, oh, "What do you? I mean, what are you going to do now?" But but it's so the, the field where I keep my livestock is right on a state highway. Mm-hmm. I can't when I get whenever my phone rings and it's a local number and I don't recognize, it, I'm like, "Oh, there's something else. Something something something's out." out. The worst, the worst, which we've talked about this on previous episodes, was when they they built that golf course right next to our feedlot. Yeah, golf course was young and immature. Oh. I mean, you still don't want your yeah. your pigs and cattle out on the golf course, <laughs> but just hearing dad calling the school to get you out of school. Yeah, cows are out on the golf course. We would, like, yeah. Oh no, <laughs> no. We would get pulled out. You guys, we would get pulled out of school. The secretary would come and say. Hey, your dad called and there's cows out on the golf course. He's, and it was, well, usually it wasn't dad. It was the hired man's going to come pick you up. And, and it's just like all hands on deck. And again, you're like, you can't really go ripping out around the golf course fairways with your pickup. So that's where we came in handy because we could run on foot, run and run. And the thing, the thing too, and we've talked about this, way, you know, it's been a long time. So I'll touch on it again, is that Rooster bought livestock in our area and shipped it to South Dakota. Mm-hmm. He was basically the garbage dump of livestock. Yeah. Because it was, I mean, I that, mean you that's could what sell, it all is. You could, sell, you could sell stuff, you know, at the auction or whatnot, but it was so convenient and so easy to come to the, our feedlot in Fairfield. Yeah. Dad would take everything. Anything. Here's a guy that will buy any animal you have, but, but a chicken. <laughs> but you're not selling your docile, calm, wonderful. You're yeah. selling the crazies. You're culling your herd. You're getting rid of the crazy stuff. You're like, get that out of here. Yep. So... When stuff got out, it was always, the stress factor was always up when anything got out. But I, when you, 
when the something was out and the golf course was in it, the just the everything immediately you know that you're gonna be walking in from you're getting pulled out of school to come help and you know you're walking into already just like and ballistic craziness. You remember what's between the golf course and the feedlot? There was one little buffer, but it was a guy, it was a farmer's field. So you're like you got to run through somebody's field, you know? <laughs> but I, I remember one time unloading. So the way that a lot of people would unload at the feedlot, they'd just back. If they were wild, crazy, they'd back right straight into the, the top of the alleyway. And it's just this long alley, say 50 yards long. And there's pens along each side. And you would open a gate. So the cow would, if it was a crazy cow, it would come out of the trailer, head up, you know, with that wild cow look, kind of crazing her eyes, looking for something. And then when she sees, oh, here's an open alleyway, they take off. And I remember this time this cow took off and we had the cross gate chained open. So she should go into the pen. And I remember kind of hiding, getting ready so that when she went in the pen, you know, shut the gate real quick. Being, I was out of the way, safely out of the way, but this cow just comes barreling down the alley, just plows straight through that gate throws it around and just continues to run. But the one thing at the feedlot, the very last gate at the end of the alley is like an eight foot, big, tall, special silver gate that's like so tall because that's the end. If they get through that, they get out. I remember this cow just running and just doing an Olympic leap. You know, a cow weighs, what, 12, 1300 pounds. So she doesn't even come close to clearing it, but she's such a force of a projectile. She hits the gate and just pancakes it flat. Boom. Just gone. Just and it all just happened like that fast. And you're like, well, there she, there she goes. You know? Yeah. So so yeah. When you anyway, when yeah, you livestock are, being out. So when you you just touch on it in that video, like, oh yeah, got to call the cows out in the old field. You don't know unless you have you've experienced no idea it. Where you, when you get calls that cows are, out. especially like I say, this is like just such a fragile. This is the, the most mean, fragile. If the wind stage blows the too whole... hard, the oats are going to fall to the ground. If it rains too hard, the oats are going to fall to the ground. <laughs> if a herd of cows runs through it, oats are going to fall to the ground. Oh. So, why'd you guys go with oats uh, versus, versus wheat or barley? Something? Yeah, so wheat wheat doesn't work good as a as a cow feed. It's not as good as a, for a cow feed. It's as a grain. It's kind of dangerous <sighs> to feed your cattle. It can cause them to bloat really easily. Let me ask a question before you go into that. Yeah, you guys weren't going to originally harvest this. No, we were going to cut it for hay. Okay, so. So when I say we were going to cut it for hay, that means we're going to yep. let it be green, grow up fairly tall, and then cut it and let it dry out and, and bale it up for hay oh, for the okay. cows. So in the context of, of not harvesting it, but waiting till it's where you can, you can cut it for hay, why did you choose oats over wheat or barley if you were cutting it for hay? Yeah, so. The oats, they germinate so easy. They're so forgiving in germination. I mean, you you, you look at them, blow a little humid breath on them and they'll germinate. Okay. And uh, these fields that we were tearing up were super sodded in from, they were these old time grass and alfalfa fields. And you just have this short window in the spring to work those fields up. And you got to get all the clods and root balls and clumps out that you can. But each time you pass over it, you're losing moisture precious moisture out of the soil right so you have to go over it a certain amount of times to create enough of a seed bed for something to sprout but 
you kind of run out of time because I mean, it takes time to farm and go over these fields and over and over them. So we got to this point where we're like, it's getting late in the season. This is kind of our, the ground's good enough. Oats will germinate really well. And they, they just make a nice, oat hay is a nice, it's a nice hay. And you were broadcasting this versus drilling it. Yeah. So that probably, that so it's on the germinates are good. Easy. Yeah, yeah, they okay. can spread them. Yep. But as the year went along, we had a, a record hay crop. And so we're looking at these oats now and we're going, well, we don't need another 80 bales of oat hay or whatever. 100 bales of oat hay. What else could we do? And then we're like, what if we, hey, what if, because we, we like to feed grain to, in the feedlot, we bring in these dumpy, junky cattle. When we have enough hay, when it's not a drought year, we bring them in, buy them cheap, upgrade them, and then resell them. Just like buying a wrecked car or something, fixing it up and selling it. Same thing with livestock, but you need grain. And we found that if you feed a little grain to your cattle in the winter, they eat way less hay as well. So another way to help get through drought or preserve hay is to feed grain. Well, in the past, we've purchased all the grain. You know, we bought corn. It's so expensive. And I think I maybe mentioned that in the video, but we'd spend, you know, five or $6,000 a semi-load. And so we started looking at this going, what if we just let it ripen? We'd have our own grain. We'd get the neighbors to combine it. We'd have two or three semi-loads of grain and we'd have straw. We need straw every year on the ranch, you know, to bed animals and stuff. And oat hay makes a really good feed it, it just has a little more nutrition in the stem and so we're going it's, it's kind of a win-win-win let's let's try it we've never we've never ever since we left the old country here in fairfield we've never harvested a single piece of grain this was the first time well now that you've kind of realized this harvest potential at the ranch there, do you think you'll you'll change crops yeah so it's opened my eyes what i'm what i'm realizing in the past we've always just thought you know, break it up for a year, plant something that's not alfalfa just for that one year to help break those clods up. And then year two, let's go straight back to alfalfa and try to get some hay production because we need the hay. Ideally, you want to let that ground rest for, you know, two or three years. And I'm realizing now, what if, what if we could in the spring break up new ground, plant oats, get an oat crop, get our straw. And then in that old, you know, at the end of the summertime, which is now for us, what if we could seed in a winter wheat hay and they make this variety called Willow Creek that grows like if you plant it in the fall, it'll, you know, it'll sprout this fall and then it'll freeze and die. And then it's the first thing to green up and come up next spring. So it catches the entire spring season, every rainstorm, every sunny day, all of it, it captures all of it. And as a result, It'll grow like four feet tall, four and a half feet tall. It's just insane how tall it grows. So it'll make this amazing forage that we can cut for hay next year to make up production for the ground that now, the next piece of ground that's, you know, so it's this, it's this revolving wheel, right? Oats to Willow Creek winter wheat. And then year three, we'll go back to alfalfa. And then you just keep cycling around the ranch. This is the hope. This is all on paper, what I'm thinking, looking at it, going, okay, this would be a nice When, when did you plant the oats this year? It was like June 10th-ish, probably. It was pretty, it was pretty late. Okay. I, I, you, ideally, you want your oats in by, you know, middle of May. They'll get a lot taller if, if you did that. Let me offer you something to think about mm -hmm. with this. So 
Serial Rye. Well, okay, so I know I've mentioned the name Gabe Brown, which whenever I say that, it feels like I can just see your no, I'm blood okay. boil. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. So anyway, this is something I've I've heard him talk about where he he made the mistake of having cropland that had been monocultured, meaning mm-hmm. just same thing for same thing. And then he came in and wanted to turn into turn into pasture for cattle. And so he took out, you know, they'd monocropped and then he went in and seeded pasture mixes and it came up really good and then just petered out because they'd blown out all the nutrition of the soil. There's nothing for the the pasture to eat. So he he kind of found that what worked really good for him was he he said he would do it after a couple of frosts. I don't know if you you'd have, you might look you might be able to plant this before it frosts. He would seed his his fall crop. He'd do cereal rye and vetch. Mm-hmm. He'd put that in after a couple of frosts. You can you can do that after a couple of frosts and it comes up in the spring. Good. I I've done that here in some some in an area of the property that was used to be an old horse arena which had been plowed and plowed and plowed so there it was pretty infertile and it and I did it after a couple. A couple of frosts with just a, a piece of junk, like four foot cedar. <laughs> and I was surprised at how much actually came up the vetch and the cereal. But he would, he would do that and he'd grow it up into probably like, I think he said mid-June. And then he would graze it with the cattle, mm-hmm. get a good manure deposit. And then he would go back in and put whatever his cereal crop was. Which in your case, so in your case, thinking through is if you, instead of doing winter wheat, which then you don't, you know, you grow that until through the summer before you cut it next year. So you would not be able to, your fall crop would also be your summer crop. Mm-hmm. Essentially, does that make sense? Right. So instead you put your, your cereal rye and vetch in now through a couple frosts mm-hmm. that grows up in the spring, gives you forage for cattle and you get a strong manure deposit. Then you could go put oats on again. Yeah. And then you could grow that oats up and if you were short on hay, you could hay it mm-hmm. or harvest it again like you did this year. And then you'd be right back to where then you could put in cereal and veg. And he would do that cycle for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And he said the fertility in his soil was so boosted by that. Out. I guess you could, you could do the same with, with winter wheat. I so, don't. So if you got to like, here's, well, here's beginning of June. I don't know how tall that will be. And then I, you could well, yeah, graze it. So th- yeah. And that's one of the benefits of this. And I'm curious if he did the vetch for new, if there's a specific nutritional thing or if it's just. The, vet, the vetch is a legume. Uh-huh. So you get a, you get a good uh, nitrogen deposit from that vetch. Okay. And I think it, it, it provides some biomass good when he would forage across it, but he was getting a lot of nutrient deposit nitrogen wise from the vetch. Okay. So one of the good things of winter wheat is if, if we plant it, say now it'll grow through September, cows can actually graze it some in the fall. If we plant it early enough, you can get some forage now. Then they say it'll come up in the spring and you, you can, you know, it'll grow up six, eight inches tall and you can graze it down once essentially. And then, then you pull cows off. And it'll grow up and continue to, to flourish. So potentially a couple of grazing. So it's, of it. it's the same principle, just off of one seed. You know, it might save you a little money, I guess. Mm-hmm. But you're not getting the the diversity of the, you said the vetch was the legume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the big important thing is, is to have green on as long as possible because green is taking carbon from the atmosphere and putting it in and it's depositing yeah. it in a, in a, in a essentially a liquid form 
in the soil, which is feeding all I wonder the microbial if we could life ever, of your soil. I wonder if we could ever do something like light seed some alfalfa into it, because that's a legume. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're ultimately trying to do. Just to get started a little early with it. If you've got a partial crop established, because you're going to cut it anyway, and then the next year, if you could disc in, lightly disc in, some new alfalfa to finish the full seeding of the alfalfa. I wonder if something like that would work. I'd, it, I'd like you to try this. I'd like you to do the cereal rye and vetch mm-hmm. to like mid-June and then graze it and then put in sorghum sedan. Yeah. Because that... I thought, I know, I thought... Because that I, will take off... In it's that, just it's so, so much. My, the hardest, the, the most, the hardest thing about all this June stuff is the rain. That's the scariest part of all of it, of seeding late. That's why everyone on dryland is just so, you're so worried about it. Because sometimes you're not going to get any rain after the 4th of July. It's like, so you put all the money into the seed and all the labor of doing it. And then you just are like, and that's, that's what is so enticing about. That was what was scary with oats this year. Hoping mm-hmm. like, I hope they even grow, especially after the drought. And that's the draw of the winter thing, which would be the, you yeah. know, the vetch and stuff. That's what, that's what makes you so nervous. Yeah, that completely understandable. But sorghum, you can't plant it any earlier. You have to plant it mid-June. And, and the thing with it, because it's hope. warm season, it, it needs less moisture. Yeah. And it doesn't mind the heat. Yeah. I, I don't know. Some, you're in a place where you can do a little bit can, of experiment. Experiment plant it, right? you, But yeah, I mean, the winter wheat now, that makes a lot of sense to, to make. But sorghum's been, triticale and sorghum are both couple other triticale is another winter wheat variety type deal but that sorghum's been something we've wanted to try oh man i've seen some people that have put it in late they they had a failed crop at the beginning something happened and they put it in and the biomass they get uh-huh. that they that it's they, just like a jungle oh man and yeah. they i mean five six feet tall and they they just swathed it all and bailed it uh-huh. i think you'd like this it's a cool this willow cricks it's the only other thing i've seen that'll grow comparably tall to sorghum in there's some fields around Lewistown that I don't know what they're doing they let it ripen and never cut it but it's I'm like there's so much stuff on top of the soil now you're like what are you how are you going to even reseed like you have to do something with all this because you won't be able to seed through it it's so such a jungle I tell you if, the, if you graze on that I where I have put sorghum in and it's and I've got it to, to grow uh-huh. I, I tried to put it into my pastures it already had in it it just couldn't compete, but I had areas that hit where I put in all those, those new water lines for water founts and it was more bare. I couldn't believe how that stuff just took off nuts. and I couldn't believe how much that was the first place sheep, goats, and cattle went to, to eat. Loved if, it. If we could have some reliable irrigation, it's just a dream. Of course, I think I would plant sorghum every year. I'd probably be monocropping sorghum <laughs> because of the. But look into it. That's one of the things it's about crazy. it. Is once it germinates, it, your moisture requirements are a lot less with it. Yeah. Anyway. No, we'll try. I mean, this is All the, right. the time to try. On we go with this thing. Hey, but let's point out. Look at that. Guys, we had a civil, nice chat about varying. <laughs> <laughs> I, got a, I got a message just yesterday from someone, a friend from England going, Hey, I didn't really want to say anything, but I, th- I thought you guys were on the outs. And I'm like, <laughs> it'd take a lot more than that to put us on the outs <laughs> you talked about needing to hook get a, the right truck to hook up to the the right trailers in conjunction with your tarps oh yeah 
Because most grain trailers nowadays have electric tarps. The upside is they're electric, so you never have to roll them. But the downside is they have to have a power supply. And so you, you wire certain trucks with the power plugs. And like the Peterbilt doesn't have a power plug to it. So I don't have a way to open and close the tarp. There's a, there's a manual method, but it's like, if your electric motor dies, this is how you open your tarp. It's not, it's not enjoyable. So I realized though, when we parked those hoppers, you, we rolled the, you roll the tarps open so that the tarps are protected and they don't rot from the sun. And it allows your hopper to stay clean and, and washed out from the rains. So then when you, you hook up the, the Peterbilt to the, the grain trailer, you have some footage there of, of your daughter cranking the, the traps at the bottom of it shut. Mm -hmm. This might have been my, my favorite part of the whole video is when she said, which way to turn it? And you said, I don't know, just try. But as you were saying that, you zoomed in and you zoomed in almost perfectly on a sticker that said open with the arrow. Did it have it on there? Yes. <laughs> that was like I didn't catch favorite that. part of the whole video. Is when you said, I'm not sure which way, just start cranking to see where it goes. But like right <laughs> as you said that, you were kind of zooming in on what she was doing and you were zooming in on this sticker that it. said open with the arrow. I didn't even of which see direction. it. I didn't even see it. The other trailer is very clearly, apparently this one is too. Yeah, that, that made me, I got to check a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, funny. Oh, just a couple things that things you mentioned there that people might not know. Commodity shed. Mm -hmm. When you say commodity, what are you talking Commodities about? Commodities are feed stuffs, feed supplements. It could be corn, grains, salts, minerals, liquid feed. They just call them commodities. They're just cotton seed, tons and tons, wheat millings. Wheat flour. So when you say commodity shed, it's just the feeds, mm -hmm. different that, feeds. That's not hay. It, yeah, and it's well, you is hay considered commodity. Yeah, but I mean, technically, yeah, but it's not in the way that you'd put it in a shed type of thing. It's not like a. It would be like a you know a stack. So when you had a shot of the commodity shed, you had one side was corn, the other side was the canola. We had, yeah, we had some old canola screenings left over from last year. Mineral in there. Yep, yep, some salt and mineral, and then on the other side we had a little bit of corn that was left over that we didn't use up. And so we just decided it's all, we're going to feed it all up. There's no sense in keeping it separate. So we were going to fill both sides with oats if necessary. We didn't yield as much, so it didn't matter. Uh, we just used the one side. But uh, you use a commodity shed versus a grain bin. One grain bins are unbelievably expensive. seventy to $150,000 to put up a grain bin. You know, big enough to hold some truckloads of, of grain. Upside is it'll hold them forever, basically. Downside is the cost. And we can just use a loader to scoop this grain up and, and load the machine that we feed with in the winter. So I use a commodity shed. Another upside to a commodity shed, there's a lot more airflow. This was brought up in a few comments. People mentioned how oats sweat. Uh, oats are kind of hard to get totally dried out. They always retain a little bit of moisture. And so they shed that moisture as they dry out. And there was some concern that the pile would be big enough that we might have some spoilage inside of the pile due to the sweatage. But you can you can feel sweat. I mean, if you just reach your arm in, arm deep, just like a compost pile, you'll know if there's sweat. And so far, there's nothing. Montana has like zero humidity. And the crop, most of it, there was a little bit of green here and there, but most of it was pretty dry. So I'll keep a close eye on that, on the sweatage. If it does start to get hot, We'll just scoop half of it out and put it in the other side. 
and it'll spread it out and aerate it. But in the past, we had we had corn in there that was steam flaked two years ago, where they take corn and they run it through a steamer and then crack it basically or uh, steamroll it and flake it into a like a corn flake, and it has a high high moisture. And we piled it in there and it, it was good for a long time. It did start to get a little, we did have to spread it out after a while, but um, anyway, good thing for viewers to to be aware of and, and turn me on to. I wonder if you mix salt in with that, if it would help. I'm sure. I mean, it would have to. And the cows would, they need salt anyway. Yeah. I, I, I just made me think of that because you, you can salt, some people salt their hay stacks when they, when they stack hay. Yeah. But obviously salt's, deals with moisture in right. in meat I and mean, that's yeah meat's that's been preserved you, right. for centuries with no refrigeration mm-hmm. being salted yeah i'm interesting yeah it would so we'll see we'll monitor it and see we'll have to report back on um, that after a week or two there was another another reference you mean there to a stub auger mm. um, yeah so you saw where jackson had laid down the tarp under the trailer and at the end he had that time lapse just where he was just cleaning up all that off the tarp. Stub auger 100% eliminates that. Totally, but yeah. explain what the stub auger so is. So it's just a little short, it's just a stubby auger that you, you stick under your trailer, runs on hydraulics from the tractor, and everything from the trailer falls perfectly into that auger. No spill, no mess. It augers it up into out from underneath your truck and into the long auger that takes it all the way up. And they're, they're great. We actually had one for many, many years that dad had custom built for his truck back when he was hauling corn home. We brought it to the ranch where we never used it ever. And one day I came out, it was sitting next to the fuel tanks. And one day our old fuel stand that came with the ranch, a big old wooden fuel stand had rotted out apparently and collapsed. <laughs> but when it collapsed, it just went like this to the side. And that diesel tank full of diesel somehow came down and never ruptured, but it came down and totally landed perfectly flat on top of that stub auger and just, I mean, just flattened the whole thing like a pancake. Oh man. All right. Well, so, uh, yeah. So that was that. We're really excited. It's a, it's a big deal for us to have, and this is more grain than we've ever had. We usually try to get by on just the minimum, minimum. Like we'd love to feed these cattle more and they would upgrade faster and get healthy quicker, but it just costs too much money. Uh, I think we were all in about $3,000 to get the oats planted, to get you know the diesel to, to work the soil up. We're about three grand into that whole crop. We ended up getting 60 bales of straw, which are about $25 a bale. And we got... Just over, what was it, right around 2,000 bushels. I can't remember what I said in the video. 2,000 bushels of grain, which is basically two semi-loads. Saved a lot of money. So our little $3,000 investment reaped us, you know, a lot of reward. So we're excited about it. See how it works with the with the cattle this winter. Well, it may be a neat thing to be doing constantly. You know, Always in rotation around yeah. because it, it does. What, here's another thing I thought of, and I'm not sure the answer to this, but can I use those oats to seed oats next year? To save seed money, can I just use those? Uh, I Yes, you could. Because I mean... But if they've been... I, I don't know... They weren't treated. If they have to be in any kind of... You know, if they, if they get, if they, in that pile, if they heat up at all, if that, I don't know. I don't and know. here's how you know you could, because 
how many times have you, you know, around a stub auger, around an auger? It grows. You get, yeah, you have stuff grow. So for sure you could. And all the oats that fell out there that are sitting on the ground right now, next rain we get, <laughs> we'll see it to Germany. It's one of those, like, I don't want to roll the dice, but at the same time, our neighbors just grew a bunch of hay barley for seed planted at the same time we planted this stuff down the road a little couple miles and they combine it for seed for a seed company so and um, i don't and i don't know if you're i don't know if they give you a little bit different variety if it is for seed stock i don't know see most like most grains like farmers plant those seeds are treated seed they get run through a treatment facility that fortify the seed against you know fungus and bugs and stuff so it can get germinated and get up these oats i saw when they seeded them they were not treated they were just oats on the ground so well i don't know yeah something because we'll probably have some left over and i'm like well what if that saves another two thousand dollars of seed but what if it doesn't come up i was gonna say (laughs) i think i i think i find an experimental plot yeah i'm sure i I could just ask somebody too and say hey all right uh, a couple things out of the comments uh someone asked how you like the dual lift on your wilson so first off what is a dual lift and do you like it yeah, those trailers have, that trailer has three axles. Each axle has a set of dual wheels on it, dual tires. So this particular trailer has the front axles duals, second axle is duals, back axle is just a single tire on each side for weight purposes and whatnot. But I, yeah, it works fine. I mean, it just lifts up and I think the alternative is singles on the front and it just seems like a lot of, no, it's not a lot of weight. It would work with singles too, but it's duels because a lot of people overload their grain hoppers with weight. So I I can't say, you know, if there's something particular he's looking for, I guess would be my question. But as I've taken it down to Georgia and back and all over the country and no problem. Okay. How many trucks do you own and do they all work? Oh, I remember that question right now. One, two, three. Four, five, six, six, six that all run that I could jump in seven, sorry, seven that I could jump in tomorrow and I would, I would drive anywhere. Might sound like a lot, but total combined cost is probably less than a new truck. Huh? Oh yeah, by far. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I bought all these cab overs. I bought them all back before everything was crazy. And I mean, all my vehicles have appreciated in value more or less because of what they are. So yeah, I've got a lot and and I don't have drivers. I kind of collect them. Part of it's the hobby of having cab overs and liking, enjoying trucks as a, as a thing. And the other part is that I can jump in and make a living with them. So someone asked about beaver lights. Yeah. You know, I I haven't heard that, 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 that phrase before on the mirrors. I'm, I'm assuming he's just talking about having nice, lights on the mirrors some people used to put anti-glare lights in the windows purple lights in the windows just inside of the mirrors inside the cab i'm not sure if he was referring to that Hmm. or i've never heard that term before yeah beaver lights well if anyone knows what that is let us know (laughs) yeah let's hear about it and then the last well you did get a couple of comments on the worst kind of crop dust oh yeah milo got i don't have any experience with milo dust but people did say soybean dust I've had a, way more experience with soybean dust than I would if ever. If you think soybean dust is itchy, you got another thing coming to you when you get into barley <laughs> or oats. Because that's one that we know corn dust and we know soybean dust. Yeah, I, the, like the barley and wheat, wheat dust, it makes me itch way more. Soybean dust, so anyone who hasn't heard our, our past stories is 
a rooster had had set up his his livestock hauling truck to be able to backhaul from South Dakota corn and soybeans. Yeah, which essentially a flat bottomed livestock hauling truck yeah. with tarps down the walls <laughs> to cover the holes to cover the holes and just fill it up. Fill which up. means when you open the traps, it runs. You might get an eighth of it to run out by itself and then you're shoveling. shoveling. Yeah. But what you're doing is you're crawling inside of a, a livestock trailer that's been had all the holes tarped in it. Yep. So there's no airflow. Some zero airflow. And then you're shoveling off a whole semi load of soybeans or corn. Yep. And maybe maybe it was super itchy, but when you come out of there, you you you're so full of of dirt and dust in your nose and your mouth yeah that you don't even realize how itchy you are because you wonder, can't breathe right i wonder in fact i wonder how i wonder how many years were taken off of my life from breathing from, yeah from breathing all that got the gray lung they call it the gray lung i wonder if soybean chaff is really itchy because we got just like the dust yeah this so it's all like been, if you're yeah. in a harvest and you're behind the combine and you get out that you open your door and there's like actual chaff coming out Maybe that's crazy itchy. But, yeah, I'm, yeah, because this dust, stuff all been cleaned. the elevator dust. Yeah, was not, not at all. So I bet they're talking the chaff. Yeah. Well, all right, man. Well, that anything else you want to you want to add? No, I think I think that's good. Oh, actually, that was the first time in a long time, if maybe forever, that I've I videoed a video during the day. I edited it that night and then released it the next day. Usually I've got footage that, you know, it's it's a week or two old or a month old, just the nature of getting around to editing and keeping things organized. But this just all kind of happened and I was like, let's go. And then I got done filming and I was like, you know what? Let's just put it up. Call that fresh. Fresh. Fresh one. All right, guys. Well, until next time. <laughs>